Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievman. And today we're going to continue our theme about the experience of Judaism through song. As you know, we are having a spectacular event. Please God, this coming Tuesday, 15th of February, Purim Katan. What better day to be celebrating Jewish music than on the minor Purim? And this is not exactly a lecture. Yes, I know people have different ways of learning. Some are more visual, auditory. Maybe some prefer to read and write. But did you know that one of the most profound methods of learning is to experience? And this is precisely what we want to offer at our upcoming event, Judaism, the soundtrack, which is taking place this coming Tuesday at the Leonardo, South Africa's, or in fact, Africa's newest, tallest, most iconic new building, Skyscraper. And there we will discover fascinating and fundamental Jewish concepts in Jewish song by going through this journey through the world of Nagina of Jewish songs. And this is not a lecture or your typical informational class. It is experiential. That is what will make it so unique and so unforgettable. So of course we are almost sold out actually. But if you do want to join us and don't want to miss out on this one-time event to discover the wonders of Jewish music and how it can indeed transform your life for the better, then I think you need to make your way to quickit.co.za, look for our event, and book your tickets, only a few left. Of course, it will include a delectable canapes, we'll have fine wines and drinks, as an additional aspect. We'll also have members of the Philharmonic, Johannesburg Philharmonic Orchestra, who will be performing and giving us a taste of these Nagunim. So you don't want to miss out on that. And just to get you into the mode and mood and to pique your curiosity, I thought I would share with you a little bit on the background of Jewish song, because you know, Jews have been generating songs and playing instruments for millennia for very, from the very beginning of the Jewish people. This was a way of self-expression, of, of worshiping God. And in fact, the Gemara tells us about the very first Jew, Avraham Avinu, and his wife Sarah Imenu, how they composed poetic songs to convey their love for the one God. At our event, we will be distributing a beautiful playbill, which will give you the timeline and the history of Jewish music and song, so you have a, a much better idea. But the Gemara tells us actually that Avraham Avinu was one of the authors of Tehillim. Now we know, of course, that King David, David HaMelech, was the compiler of Tehillim and composed many of the Psalms there, but many of them are attributed to others, such as Avraham Avinu and Yaakov Avinu, and including Moshe Rabbeinu and others. So. History, Jewish history is filled with so much Negina songs. Take, for example, on Friday nights we sing Eshet Chayel. Of course, there's a lot of significance and meaning to it. Firstly, to pay tribute to our own Eshet Chayels, to our Akarat Habayit, to the foundation of our homes, to the women who are indeed the ones, the pillar of the home, who, who look after our children, who take care of the family, who ensure the 
sustainability, the, pres- the preservation of our Judaism. But the Medrash tells us that although we find Eshet Chayel in Proverbs, in Mishle by King Solomon, that it's actually attributed to Avraham Avinu as a song, an ode to his wife Sarah, a eulogy after her passing. And that, that's fascinating. You go all the way back in Jewish history. And Yaakov Avinu the Gemara tells us how he spent so much time in singing the praises of Hashem, also included in Tehillim. And you look at all of our history, when God let the when God led our liberated ancestors through the parted waters of Kriyas Yamsuf, the Red Sea. Moshe led the men in singing. We sing Az Yashir, ancient song dedicated to the celebration of the splitting of the sea. And we know that Miriam, his sister, she led the women in their music and song, in their dancing to thanking God for that miraculous rescue then. And of course, continuing, um, we discussed David HaMelech, King David is the author of Tehillim. In fact, he's referred to as Ne'im Zemirat Israel, the sweet singer of Israel. So our appreciation for music is something that goes way back in history. And more recently, particularly in the 18th century, the Hasidic movement, starting with the Baal Shem Tov, put a tremendous emphasis on Negina, on soulful and energetic, beautiful songs, which you'll get a taste of at our event. The Hasidic movement amplified the importance of song in Judaism. It infused melody with, with profound spiritual depth uh, naturally, Hasidim developed a unique brand of music, and that those, those nagunim are world famous today. And certainly, depending, of course, on the mode, is the appropriate genre of which type of song is sung when. You walk into Sephardic shuls, and it's beautiful to hear the way the whole congregation sings all the prayers together aloud also in their unique style of song. The Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the founder of the Chabad Hasidic movement, he very famously taught that the tongue is the quill of the heart, but song. Sorry about that disruption, but the Alter Rebbe famously taught that music is the quill of the soul. And in fact, when we sing together, very famous teaching from the, from the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Nachman of Breslau, who said, you know, if we're talking over each other, that's, if we talk <laughs> at the same time, even the same words, it's usually disruptive. But when we sing together, that is harmonious. And so when we think our words are important, they allow us to communicate the invisible ideas, the, the, the contents of our minds and our emotions, but our souls, our deepest depths, that famously the Alter Rebbe told us requires song in order to share soul thoughts and soul feelings. That is a Hasidic nigan, a melody that transports us into the world of 
the soul. It's a great story that comes to mind, and that's a story that once when the Alter Rebbe was invited to a particular town community, I think it was to Shklov. And, you know, unfortunately, in the town of Shklov, there was opposition to the Hasidic movement. Shklov is a city somewhere in Belarusia. You're talking about the time when there were conflict. There was, at, at, you know, between the Hasidic movement and those who were, so to say, Hasidically challenged. And it was fascinating. It's a great story where these scholars in the town of Shklov, they decided that in order to undermine the Alter Rebbe, they prepared a whole list of questions that they were going to pose to him, that they were going to ask him when he was visiting the town to give a lecture. And so at that big event, the Alter Rebbe was invited up to the, to the lectern, to the bima, the big shul, and they had all their questions prepared to, to, <laughs> to pose to him. And the Alter Rebbe stood up there at the podium, but instead of taking their questions, he cited a teaching that for both souls as well as angels, he said, growth comes through song. And he then went on to sing a niggin with intense concentration. And all the people that just stood still as if in a trance, each one was deeply immersed in their thought as he sang. They just lost track of where they were. When he completed his song, the scholars of Shklov, they didn't even bother to ask any of their questions that they were planning to post to him, so to say, to undermine him. And they said that their questions were actually all answered. And that's, that's fascinating. I believe the Freer de Kerebe in Sefer HaSichos, he says that the Nigan it opened new channels of wisdom. It opened their brains, their minds. And in this way, the Alter Rebbe raised them to a whole new level, which automatically, so to say, answered their questions. And of course, I know it's an unusual story, but I think it really conveys an important message. And the idea that Negina, a Nigan, has the power to introduce a fundamental shift in our thinking, the way we feel. We may have questions. Life is fraught with questions all the time. We may face challenges. We may be overwhelmed by difficulties. There are many ways to deal with these. But a Negan has the power to raise us to a whole different space, to the zone of our soul where we gain a whole new perspective, where the questions no longer bother us, where we grow, where we feel confident enough to overcome any challenge that we face. So indeed, we face challenges and obstacles. We encounter hardships and difficulties. Perhaps a niggun. A niggun is a way, one of the ways, certainly, to try to alleviate our feelings, our anxiety, a way like the Alter Rebbe was able to answer all their questions with a nigun. And perhaps joining our event can do the same, the very same experience for you where you get a taste of nigun on Tuesday evening at our spectacular event at the Leonardo where there's just a few remaining tickets. And I think no doubt 
that you will certainly enjoy this event. Another story that comes to mind like that is a story about Rabbi Yisrael Taub, who was the famous founder of the Majitz Hasidic dynasty. Now, the Majitz Hasidim, very renowned for their Nagudim. In fact, very famous tune. Anim Amin, Anim Amin, Anim Amin. All right, I won't do that to you. <laughs> Let someone else sing. But very famous song is a Majitza tune, the Animamin, many, many other famous ones. Now, the Majitza Rav, Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Taub, was very famous as a master composer, a singer, and his melodies were so powerful. His, the people who would listen, his audience, always found themselves completely transported to an, an entirely different higher plane of existence, like the Alter Rebbe answering the questions with Nigun, that was always the experience with Rabbi Yisrael Taub. And unfortunately though, Rabbi Taub suffered from diabetes. And in his later years, it resulted in severe gangrene to the extent that in 1913, his doctors wanted to amputate one of his legs. So, they were seeking, you know, they didn't know what to do, how to deal with the situation. And he went to Berlin, traveled there to get expert advice from the specialists. But the, the, all the experts, they all concurred that the only option he had was amputation. It was essential for his survival. The only way he would, his life would be saved. But they faced a dilemma. You know, amputation had to be performed on a sedated patient. But Rabbi Taub's delicate state of health meant that sedation could actually be fatal for him. What were they to do? In the end, it was actually Rabbi Taub himself who found the solution. He told his doctors that if he could sing throughout his surgery, then he would enter a state of melodic meditation. He wouldn't feel a thing. And so, the surgeons, although they were skeptical about this idea, but, you know, what have they got to lose? They had no better option. So they agreed and they accepted it. And to their amazement, they completed the entire surgery on Rabbi Taub without any sedation, which could have been detrimental. And he was deeply engrossed the entire time in singing these meditative, most beautiful, sweet songs and later on, the doctors complimented him for singing instead of screaming. Your typical patient would have been screaming. But he explained that he felt, he felt so, he, he felt nothing at the time of that experience. You know, neither the, the, the surgeons nor the surgery, he said he felt nothing. And this experience, the songs, the soulful melodies that he sang, that's what transported him to a completely different place, to a whole different plane of existence. And that was his final, to him, that was his sedation, so to say. And so the point I'm trying to convey is, of course, you see a niggin is more than just a tune. It's an immersive experience. And if you join us at this event, of course, if you listen to Nagina anytime, I think you'll experience that idea, that, that, that whole experience of, of Hasidic Nagunim, the soulful melodies, 
And what we intend to do at this event is to examine some of the background the messages, and certainly it will give you a better appreciation to in intellectually and spiritually, emotionally, to see how a nigan can in fact, you know, just percolate from soul to mind and from mind to heart and from the heart to reality, bringing that real enhancement, that upliftment in our daily experience of life. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here at 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman, and today we're continuing our conversation, our discussion about the significance, the importance, the experience of Nagina, of Jewish songs. And as we mentioned, when we hear a nigan, we are hearing our soul speak. And so it's the experience, so to say, from the journey from heaven to earth, there's a story told about a king who ruled over vast territories, you know, with, with wisdom and compassion. And one day he summoned a son, the crown prince, into his chamber and told him that he could no longer live in the palace. And the king explained that he was instructing the young man to travel to a distant province of the vast kingdom. The people in that province were very different than what he was used to back at home. You know, at home, he's living with diplomats, with impressive royalty. Imagine going from that to a place where there's a whole different persona, crude peasants with little sophistication or appreciation for the niceties of the palace. But there was no choice. The prince had to travel and remain there until the king would send for him to return. Just imagine. The prince, he's crushed. Here he's born in the lap of luxury, living in this palatial mansion. He's accustomed to all the trappings of royalty. And now he would be dispatched to a distant province where his majesty wasn't known, where he would be forced to live among the peasants, completely unrefined. His heart was filled with pain. When no one was looking, in fact, even shed bitter tears. Now, the truth is, this mushal, this parable, illustrates the idea. It's not just the story of an ancient prince, because it's our story. Every time we're out of our comfort zone, before we start a new job, before you move to a new neighborhood, perhaps, maybe marriage or becoming a parent or whatever that new event and incident might be, we experience anxiety. We don't want to break away from what we know, from what we're accustomed to and used to. Like the prince, part of us wants to remain in our familiar box where everything is comfortable, where everything is, everything makes sense. The prince obeyed his father, traveled to that distant province, and life wasn't so easy, it was difficult there. But eventually he understood. You know, you grow up as a privileged child with a silver spoon in your mouth, with all of the laps of luxury, everything you ever need provided for. It's a very narrow perspective of life. That's not reality 
of most of the subjects in your kingdom. There was so much that he actually didn't know. He was completely unaware of what regular human beings ex experience on a daily basis. Would such a narrow-minded person ever be able to be the king and relate to his subjects? Is that even possible? How can he? The world's apart. But by traveling and living outside the palace, he expanded his horizons, he matured. Now, you look at this and think, oh my goodness, this is a terrible setback in life. How could, you know, the, the, the prince live in such unfamiliar territory? In fact, in, so to say, unfriendly territory. But that very setback led to exponential growth. A complete metamorphosis. And the truth is we do the same. Despite our fears, what happens? We strike out on our new path and it all works out for the best. Because the only way to achieve success in life is to leave our comfort zones, is to take that risk. Some people dream of success and other people wake up and make it happen. You know, you can't discover new oceans unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. My friends, that's what we want to share with you to some degree. The idea of the powerful experience of what a nigun can do for you. In fact, I think that's what this parable illustrates. The founder of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, taught us that we could learn from this story, from this parable about the prince, because it's actually the story of our own soul. Intuitively, when we think about ourselves, we think of birth as the beginning of our journey. But the truth is, from a Jewish tradition, from a Jewish perspective, Judaism teaches us that part of us is actually immortal. It existed before we were born and will live on after we pass away. That is what we mean when we talk about the soul, the neshama. Jewish tradition teaches that the soul is actually hesitant. It's even afraid. It's fearful to descend from heaven to earth. Before birth, the soul resides in a spiritual orbit where God is revealed. It's basking in spirituality, where holiness is manifest, where it's a completely different world. None of the distractions of this world. There in heaven, the soul revels, it luxuriates in God's presence. And what happens? The soul is then dispatched to enter an earthly, corporeal, physical body where the culture of this world is completely foreign to the heavenly realm. It's grub, it's coarse. People are egocentric and narcissistic, self-centered. That's not the way of the soul above. Here on earth, people are toiling in the soil. The soul is not used to that. You know the difference between soul and soil. Soil is S-O-I-L, only focused on me, myself, and I. Whereas the soul is S-O-U-L. The words of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Min igarama labira amuka. From the highest rooftops to the deepest pit. That's the descent, the journey of our soul to earth.
And just like in the metaphor, the parable of the prince, this descent is obviously shocking. It's, distru- it's a distressing experience for the soul. And yet, this is the journey of our soul. And as we, as you will certainly experience at our event in the, in the melodies that we will share, the melodies of the soul, this very idea that, yes, we struggle here on earth and the soul experiences the challenges, the obstacles, the struggles coming down from on high to be born into our body, into this physical world. But, of course, we know that there's a much higher and greater purpose. Imagine yourself strolling along a path, enjoying God's beautiful nature, and suddenly you notice an odd-looking obstacle. You know, between a couple of feet high, it's lying across the path, it's blocking your advance. And your mind computes the size and you start generating thinking in your mind how you're going to get over it. What do you do? You're standing right in front of this obstacle on the road. How are you going to get through? What's the natural way? Well, you know, take a few steps back and you're going to run hard and fast. Generate that momentum you need to jump over the obstacle. Now, just think for a moment, if you're trying to go forward, taking a few steps back seems like a disappointment. Why am I going back? It's taking me further away from my goal, from my destination. But you realize that by taking those few steps back, it gives you the momentum to, to spring forward. Falling back is part of your forward progress. And so, as we're going to experience the nigunim of the soul, what they convey is that very message. The soul's pain about coming down to earth, it seems like a setback, a disappointment, a distraction of life in this world. But what you'll experience in the nigun, and in some of the nigunim that we're going to share, is the realization that although that's perhaps the soulful part, the more the yearning of the soul to return on high, but realizing it's what's called a Yerida Litzarech We fall back in order to spring forward. Take, think of a rubber band. If you want to propel it forward, you need to pull it back first. And the further back you pull, the further it will be propelled when you release. And that's a rule of physics, and it could be applied to your soul physics as well. When a soul falls back, it's enabled to spring forward. It's able to move, it's propelled, it's pushed to a much greater degree forward. And I think it's true, yes, a soul did come from a beautiful, holy realm above, where it was close to God where it basked in spirituality. But if it wants to draw even closer to God, it needs to descend to the earth, to this physical world, where is the only place that it could actually do the mitzvahs, fulfill its divine mandated mission. There are no mitzvahs in heaven. 
in the spiritual realm, that doesn't exist. You can't help a friend in need in paradise. You can't keep Shabbos the same way we do here without a physical body. These mitzvahs are only available in this world. Every time we do a good deed, our soul gains a connection to God that it could not have otherwise achieved. It would not happen in heaven. And I think in that sense, we don't just spring forward. We bring the part of the world that we inhabit along with us. Because every part of our experience, every time we use something in our vicinity for a good deed, for a mitzvah, we bring holiness to what was previously profane or mundane. We introduce God into a realm that was formerly godless. The whole world springs forward. And once the soul gets the idea, realizing what the purpose is, then I think even though the soul maybe is homesick and yearning to return on high, well, ultimately, the soul realizes what the purpose, the reason for this mission, why we are here on planet Earth. And so with the nigunim that we've selected, some of the soulful nigunim, they will illustrate this very idea of the Yerida Litzolich Aliyah, the soul falling back in order to spring forward by fulfilling its mission down here in this world. But you know, sometimes we lose the plot, don't we? Imagine you do business in the shtetl marketplace and you're, you're going through the stalls and you're buying merchandise, you're selling, and then there's that troublemaker who is not doing his, who's there just stirring trouble. And we'll have a very special niggin that we'll talk about, that we'll illustrate, that we'll sing that very idea of the troublemaker, our evil inclination, our Yetzirah, that perhaps is also part of the purpose and mission, in fact. And, you know, we, we, we realize, oh, my divine soul, my Yetzir Tov wants to do good. What do I need this guy for? What do I have this negativity? But the opposition that we experience, the evil inclination, the Yetzir Hara, the animal soul, is also part of the mission. I mean, what fun is a basketball game without an opposing team? And in, in, a, in a sense, that's exactly why God does give us that. And so the Nigunim will take us through the journey, how this Yerida Litzorah how our descent into this world is all part of it, why we experience in life setbacks sometimes. For what reason? And certainly what's true for the soul is true for life as well. When we encounter our challenges, our difficulties, the struggles of life, they could slow us down. But if we realize the purpose, what it's all about, then, my friends, we could turn the negativity, the opposition, the challenges into platforms for growth. It depends on what we choose to do with them. And this is one reason why Judaism puts a tremendous emphasis on constant joy, whether life is great or less than great. 
even when experiencing a challenge, the lows, the difficulties of life, we continue to sing because we regard the difficulties, the struggles and challenges, the setbacks, the knockdowns as opportunities to grow forward because there is no life without difficulties. But in truth, life's challenges are in reality instances of yes, falling back, but only for the sake of enabling a far greater stride forward. And the nigunim that we have selected for this event will in fact illustrate this very theme and idea that I've no doubt will carry you to this whole new place. Because when we regard the challenges of life as opportunities for growth, we're actually able to sing. We're able to realize, hey, this isn't a setback, but rather it is an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to reach to a higher, better, greater place. That's precisely what the Nigunim are all about, to take us out of our struggles and troubles and bring us to a much higher and better and greater place. So, my friends, I invite you all to join us this coming Tuesday, the 15th of February, Purim Katan, at the Leonardo, Africa's tallest skyscraper for this very special, this really beautiful, meaningful and experiential experience with good food, good music, and an all-around great time. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here at 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiefman. And in our final segment today, we will just take a few more moments and to talk. We were discussing before that this idea of the Yerida Litzorich the very challenges and obstacles of life are here to bring us forward. Like we said, if you propel a rubber band forward, you need to first pull it back. And so the further back you pull, the further it's going to be propelled when you release it. And this means that we could somewhat predict how distant that band is going to fly by the extent to which we actually pulled it back. And if we apply this to our Jewish history, I think it's a very powerful message. You think of the challenges, the struggles, the obstacles, the difficulties that our, the hardships of our history that our nation has experienced during our nearly 2000 years of exile. I think if you realize we're still around, not only have we survived, but we thrive. The idea that we could go to a much greater and better place in our lives. And so no doubt that Nagina, that song has played such a, pardon the pun, I'm saying an instrumental role in that. Indeed it has. And that's why I wanna invite you to this event because whether you speak one language or many languages, the language of the soul is what we are going to be displaying at our event on Tuesday, the 15th of February, Purim Katan, where you'll get to experience the melodies and 
the music with members of the Johannesburg Philharmonic Orchestra who will be performing. And you'll tap into the meditative commentary that we're going to provide and experience the endless spiritual energies that Negina, that Jewish song provides. So I think if that's something that talks to you, then I think you will certainly want to experience this very special event because these Nagunim are the music, the pen of the soul, as we said, the Alter Rebbe told us. So I invite you to come listen to the story of your soul in its own words, to the feelings of love or longing, of devotion or despair that express the complicated relationship between a spiritual soul and a material world. Come, you'll experience pure delight, rousing music, inspiring visual accompaniments, meditative commentaries, a very high caliber production, which will include delicious cocktail um, canapes. And we have a very special commemorative playbill of the event that you can only receive, of course, by attending. So I want to invite you all to come and experience it. And just before I conclude, perhaps I could just share with you a few thoughts on Nigun as were shared by some of the great Hasidic masters because as we were talking before, Jewish music goes a long time back in history. But in the 18th century, when Hasidic movement was started, Nigun took on a whole new level. And, and the idea that it, it summons the soul and inspires our heart, that it's, it's so spiritually uplifting and emotionally fulfilling. It gives the body a taste of the soul and renews our clarity and direction. So just a few little thoughts, a compilation of insights on the significance of Nigun. The Alter Rebbe said a Nigun can show us where we are and where we ought to be, and better yet, where we can be. It's like our personal Hasidic compass, Jewish compass for life. He also mentioned that the function of an Agina is not just simply to sing, but to express our deepest selves through song. How revealing and in fact liberating because he also taught that a niggin could extract a soul from the deepest mire as I illustrated in the story about how he even answered people's questions with a niggin. His successor, the Mithra Rebbe told us how music can take you to a much higher place in life. He said to make a quantum leap forward, you first have to surrender contact with our present state. When angels and souls seek to connect with the divine, they must first expire with longing and melt in sheer ecstasy. And so the Mithra Rebbe taught that is accomplished through a nigun. The Tzemach Tzedek famously taught how performing a mitzvah joyfully and with song, he said, annuls judgments and hardships, both spiritual and material. So I'm sure we all wouldn't mind something like that. And certainly by singing and experiencing nigun, we could achieve it. He also told us a teaching of our sages that when you quote somebody by name, 
you should envision that individual standing before you. It's a concept that's mentioned in the Gemara. And in general, as we're approaching Purim, the Gemara tells us that when you quote something instead of plagiarizing it, but quoting the person who you are retelling a word from, when you quote somebody, you bring redemption to the world. And so he said, this isn't only true about teachings, but also about song. So each of the Nagunim we will share with you, their composer or their history, so you have a good idea of where it comes from. The Rebbe Maharash, he was a profound leader of Russian Jewry, the turn of the previous century. And he spoke about that there are three parts of a song. He said, cantorial songs that require no meditation, there are prayerful songs that are born of meditation, and then negunim that inspire meditation. He also taught that a nigun that is sung correctly and without error, in fact, communicates. And I would say it's true of all songs that they communicate a message. As the Rebbe Rashab, who was renowned for his lucid and thorough explanations of deep mystical Kabbalistic concepts, he said that each lock has its own key, but there's a master key that could open all locks. And that master key, he said, is a nigan. It's the master key to every part of our soul. And he taught that the way to pray is through song. In fact, when you sing songs, it, I think the prayers, in fact, it sort of helps you to remember the prayers better. So whether it's a song of joy or something more remorseful or yearning or fulfillment or, or loving or longing, but it's always marked with enthusiasm, with passion, with excitement. And that certainly takes you to an even higher and greater level. So prayer should certainly be done with the appropriate genre of tune with it. He said that, that Hasidic teachings clear the brain and cleanse the heart. Hasidic shanhagas, Hasidic behaviors, illuminate the home. And Hasidic melodies strengthens our hope and trust in God and ushers joy and light into the family and home. My fondest childhood memories are sitting around the Shabbos table and singing beautiful Nagunim with our family. And certainly today, we do the same with our children. The previous Rebbe, sixth Rebbe of Chabad, who was very actively involved in religious Jewish life in Soviet Russia, and later on revolutionized and revitalized American Jewish life. We're going to share some of his Nagunim at the event, and he shared some very interesting thoughts. He said there are different varieties of Nagunim. Some Nagunim articulate life experiences, and others create life experiences. He said a story's illumination is confined by its words. The light of a nigun breaks free from its confines. Another interesting thought, he said, the words of a nigun lift us to a higher plane, revealing hidden dimensions otherwise embedded in the depths of our lofty souls. For a moment, we break with our ordinary selves and become extensions of the soul through nigun. He also taught that when that we could intellectually 
We could be intellectually engaged, but remain emotionally numb. We could be emotionally engaged, but our deeds remain unchanged. And yet a niggun opens a window from mind to heart, enabling an idea to suffuse the heart. And from heart to deed, enabling feeling to translate into action. The main thing is the action. Like Nike says, just do it. Words are useful, but only for those who speak the language. A nigun, like art, is accessible to all. And I'd like to conclude with just a few short thoughts from the teachings of the Rebbe about nigunim. He said the Hebrew word shir has two meanings. A song to be sung or a ring to be worn. And like a ring, a nigun is circular. As you complete a circuit, the next circuit begins, commences immediately, but on a more powerful plane. The process where you're repeating the tune over and over, and this particularly applies to Hasidic Nagunim that are wordless, each time we climb spiritually from rung to rung, each elevation delivering us to even greater heights. The Rebbe taught that when we sing a nigun, when Jews are in one shul singing a nigun and it's sung by other Jews elsewhere, on a soul level, we're converging and connecting with each other. He said, life is a song in potential. Our duty is to actualize the potential song and bring it to blossom into a sacred nigan. As King David, Naim's Mirot Yisrael, the sweet singer of Israel implied when he sang, I will sing to God with my life. And as we have to go, one final thought. Lyrics limit a song's message. A wordless nigun has no limits. The best and most beloved nigunim are therefore wordless. Ladies and gents, you are all invited to book your tickets today on quicket.coza where you could join our special event, Judaism, the soundtrack, on Tuesday, 15th of February, Purim Katan at the Leonardo. Only a few tickets left. All the best. Wishing you a joyful Shabbos full of song and tranquility. Carpe diem.